Hi, Sandy. My name is Lori, and I'm from Arkansas. And I just wanted to call and tell you how much that I appreciate you and your program. I'm so thankful um, for you and Bruce. I love to hear him as well, like everybody else. I love how y'all call each other sweetheart. And um, I'm thankful for preborn, and I've been able to donate for a few um, ultrasounds. I'm grateful for that. I just I think you're a national treasure, and I love you. Um, as a sister in Christ, I'm so thankful for everything that you do. Um, I'm thankful for AFR. Um, it's since I've listened to AFR, I have learned about Frank Gaffney, Gordon Chang, Abraham Hamilton III, the Addisons, Bishop Jackson. I listen to these almost daily, at least weekly. I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for all that you all do, and I didn't want to cry, but you are such a blessing in my life. And I thank you for being there. I thank you for your courage being on the front lines. And just God bless you and continue to do what you do. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. Wow, that was uh, beautiful and so heartfelt, Lori. We really do appreciate your kind comments, and also we hear your heart. I think you're kind of representing how a lot of people feel right now in the culture just worried, uh, kind of, you know, just worried, you know, and also, you know, suffering the ravages of all the things that are happening out there that's coming back to hurt their families, cause division, uh, the, the uncertainty about the future. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's other personal things in your life. Maybe you're just a tender person, but I have a feeling that you've got, you're carrying quite a burden. And it's a uh, Part of what we want to do, of course, we're going to talk about news and politics and Sandy Rios 24-7, but also just bring hope and, and encouragement. And so uh, we would like to do that, as you have just brought to us, Lori. So thank you for that. For those of you listening, we do so appreciate your comments. In fact, if you would like to call and leave a comment, you can do it. Uh, by calling 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. And you can write us at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. And let me just hasten to say, I am reading your email and we will do a show where we respond to your email. Uh, We will get to that, I promise. If you want to know more about the show, go to Sandy Rios dot com sandyrios.com and when we get things up and running a little bit better i will post where we're going to be because we're out a lot and maybe you can come see us because we would love that uh, you can find us at facebook and twitter and instagram and getter and truth social and youtube and you can certainly find us in all the podcast platforms i want to also thank you like Lori, who has been so faithful i'm guessing Lori's not a millionaire uh, you know i don't know uh, but uh, she is so generously giving of what she does have to preborn. And I'm so grateful for that. I don't take that lightly. And I want to say that so many of you have been so generous already. Could, would you like to know what we've done um, so far? Well, this would be before we started the show, but let me give you an idea of what preborn has accomplished like in 2022. They have saved 54,253 babies. They have had women and other people related to the situation, the pregnancy, 9,896 of them have made commitments to Christ. 
Now, that may be foreign language to some of you, but stay tuned. If you listen to the show, show much, you'll figure that out. You'll learn about the news and what to think and uh, kind of help you kind of navigate this stuff, but we'll also be talking to you about the Lord Jesus, who gives us hope in the midst of all of this. And so I want to thank all of you who have already so self- unselfishly contributed to preborn. Uh, we are now in the year 2023. We have a goal on this show on Sandy Reels 24-7 of saving 500 babies. Yeah, so that's our goal. Uh, and so here we go. If you'd like to help, you can dial pound 250 and just say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Or you can go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Uh, it's $28 for each ultrasound, which provides m- moms a chance to meet their babies for the first time. And this is the life-saving, like this is the secret sauce of preborn, is to let women see their babies so that they make the right choice and not end their lives. So if you'd like to help, go to preborn.com slash Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy, or you can dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Simple, huh? Right? Okay. All right, well, sit back and relax. We've got a treat for you because today we're going to talk to Dr. Robert Jeffress. He was our first speaker at the recent AFA donor retreat in Sylacauga, Alabama, which we're going to tell you more about. But um, Dr. Jeffress started the whole thing out, and here he is. What a joy he always is. He always challenges me, and I think he'll challenge you. So sit back, relax. Dr. Robert Jeffress. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. All right, this is Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. And uh, we are in a very noisy place, which I think I do some of my most favorite interviews in noisy places. But we are at the American Family Association retreat for our donors in Sylacauga, Alabama, at a place called the Farm. Purcell. Thank you, Dr. Robert Jeffers. (laughs) Purcell Farms. Uh, It's just an absolutely gorgeous place. It's our second year here. And uh, so Dr. Robert Jeffers is sitting with me. I've asked him to join me so we could talk because uh, my podcast audience is a little different, Dr. Jeffers. We started in January. A lot of them are, you know, AFR listeners, but uh, it's just just nice. I want them to know you, too. We're great. Honored to be with you. All right. So uh, for people that don't know who you are, you're the pastor and have been for how many years at First Baptist Church? Almost 16 years. Almost almost 16. Isn't that something? Um, all right, so uh, you have a long bio, so I'm going to read it. No, so don't, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to buy folks, it. <laughs> we don't want to crash the podcast. I'm not going to read it. But I do want to say a few things because some of this is kind of a, reminded me of stuff. Uh, so um, Dr. Jeffers is also a Fox News contributor, which is so interesting. Uh, you know, the, remember the press, the priest that was a Fox News contributor who ended up 
uh, leaving the priesthood. He yeah, was Father a, Jonathan. Yeah, he was a good friend. W- well, wonderful guy, I yeah. think. And uh, so, but that's an unusual combination um, to be a Fox News contributor. Uh, he's also an adjunct professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. You know, his daily radio program used to precede my morning show at AFR Talk, Pathway to Victory, but it's on a thousand stations around the country. And it's also a television program that's on daily. Uh, and I didn't realize that you were on Fox Nation. Yeah, we are. Well, that's pretty amazing. And Fox Business. What? And Fox Business, are you kidding me? Mm. You know, that's amazing, Dr. Jeffress, because, um, you know, Fox is... We don't have to go into this, but, you know, I worked for Fox for a long time, too. Uh, Fox is not so friendly, for the most part, to Christians and conservatives now, not the people that are in charge. So I think it's at least not conservative moral principles or conservative politics, for that matter, except for some exceptions on the network. So I think it's great that you have a Don't voice get me in. into trouble. <laughs> I'm getting... Uh, listen, I, it's me saying this, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. 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 Jeffress, it's me saying it. And I'm already in trouble, so what difference does that make? <laughs> anyway. And I'll have to say, I really did, in fact, in November, did an hour special with Harris Faulkner on the power of prayer called Faith Still Moves Mountains. And so there's some good folks. Oh, I didn't mean there weren't yeah, I good. I certainly know that because I was yeah. there all the time. But Harris is wonderful. Tucker's wonderful, too. Uh, and I think um, there are just a lot of people on there who really, in the daytime programs, too. So there's... I didn't they remember on now on Fox and Friends I hear them say like on the weekends be sure and go to church they'll say that on Sunday mornings yeah Pete Hegseth is a great yeah, uh, yeah. Christian yeah so uh, listen I don't have any problem going I don't like to stay safe in Christian circles I never have Dr. Jeffers no you haven't you've been a bold warrior for the faith well, and we appreciate that no you're kind to say that but I was gonna say uh, that uh, one thing we have in common, besides being, I used to be a Fox News contributor, was we both have, I see here, been on real time with Bill Maher. Yeah. Okay, so I made my trek out there about three times a long time ago when I was president of CWA. So I have thoughts about that, but I want to know how you felt about being on Bill's show. You know, <laughs> it was so funny. It all erupted over when I made my comments about Mitt Romney 11 or 12 years ago about Mormonism being a cult and so forth. And so it caused a firestorm. And Bill asked me to come out the next week on his Friday night show on HBO to talk about it. And I had not ever watched his program. Oh, so did you not have I any not, idea? I had no idea. And so I agreed to it. I said, well, sure. You know, and uh, so, and then I started watching some reruns of it. I thought, oh my gosh, what did I agree to do? And so I had our prayer partners praying and I'll never forget, uh, we were in the hotel before we were to go over to CBS and do the show. And uh, uh, my daughter, youngest daughter was with me and my wife. And we just stood in a circle and prayed and asked God to supernaturally intervene. And so I went there in fear and trepidation, but I'm telling you, Bill could not have been any nicer to me than he was. And, I mean, he challenged me, and, you know, at first it got, it was a little rocky, but then the audience started laughing. I had the chance to present the plan of salvation and talk clearly, and, you know, and uh, he high-fived me several times. And afterwards, he invited me and my wife and daughter to their after-party, and um, we stood in the corner and talked for 30 minutes. And he said, you know, Pastor, I don't believe one thing you believe, but you're a good representative for your faith. 
And I thought that was a win. And I still have, 10 years later, people say they still watch that and see that interview and how much it meant to them. So, you know, uh, Bill was very gracious to me. Well, I had a, I had a similar experience, Dr. Jeffress. I, uh, when I was doing a lot of television, and I used to be on a lot, I host a crossfire on CNN and lots of things. Um, and I actually love, I'm telling you, I just feel like uh, as a media person that God called me to the Gentiles. That's what I always say. Uh, that's when my heart beats fast, you know, put me in the lion's den. That's what I, I don't know. I'm not saying I enjoy the barbs. I don't mean that. I don't know if that makes sense. It's just that there's something in me that says this is where I belong. I remember being on uh, Phil Donahue when he was so bad so many years ago. And I was sitting between Michael Newdow, that atheist mm-hmm. from San Francisco, and Barry Lynn oh. from yeah, Americans. Uh, he and I went to United for Separation of Church and State. He was threatening to sue me and mm-hmm. revoke our tax exempt oh, status is, all the time. He was a wicked, wicked man. I don't know what's happened to him, but he posed as a pastor, you know, and he was a formidable opponent because, uh, like James Carville, the truth was uh-huh. not necessarily, and didn't he, he wasn't bound to any kind of truth. But I had both of those guys sitting arm to arm with me with Phil Donahue, and Phil was so horrible by then. And, you know, it was funny because I, uh, and the audience was there. It was a small audience and a round auditorium. There was probably about 50 people there, and they hated me. Mm-hmm. They hated me. Uh, and I just remember just praying and just feeling the spirit just come over me and, I remember during a commercial break just saying to the people as they would start like hissing, I just say, God loves you. God loves you. God, you know, it was just amazing. It was an experience. And with Bill, I I had a similar experience. I think Bill wants you, he wants to give it to you, but he wants you to stand your ground. And when you stand your ground, he respects you for it. And that's the same, I had that same experience. You know, my deacon said, why are you going and putting yourself through that? That's what and people so forth. say to me. And I said, you know what? If Paul can go to Mars Hill, I can go to Mars Studio. <laughs> and, I don't think there's any place. I guess I wouldn't, there were lines I would draw. Like I used to interview in Chicago. There was a DJ who was kind of like Howard Stern, but more respectful. Um, I would never interview Howard Stern. I would never do that because he was so filthy and he would never have honored a boundary but this guy even though he could go there uh i got to know him and actually he became a christian leader dr jeffress and uh, you probably played a role in that and 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 this is the point for our audience it's like we were talking about tonight jesus didn't call on us to isolate ourselves from the culture we've got to penetrate the culture we've got to go to those tv studios to those school school board meetings to the workplace we've got to be the salt and light and we can't stay in the uh, salt shaker and we can't stay in the drawer as a light we've got to confront the darkness with the light i just heard you speaking about being the salt and the light great message to the to the people here at this retreat and uh, so it occurs to me, you know, you were talking about, well, you, you know, whether they may say, if you can, in a word or two, tell us your position or your explanation of how God, Jesus called us to be salt and light. Well, he, he was describing two functions of Christians in the world today. Salt was a preservative. 
it didn't didn't prevent the decay of meat, but it delayed the decay of meat. In the same way, we're to delay the decay of this world so that we have longer to share the gospel. And that's why Christians ought to get involved in politics. Politics is a way we influence the culture in which we live, push back against evil. Not that we're going to save America or save the world. Eventually, America will crumble. But we want to give it a longer shelf life so we have more time to share the gospel with people. That's what salt is. And light, of course, is referring to pointing people to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. It's evangelism. It's sharing the only way to salvation. And, you know, people get confused, Sandy. Well, I think I ought to, you know, take on current events and push back against evil. No, I think we ought to share the gospel. It's not either or. It's oh, both things. Oh, totally. Well, because, you know, I, that's been my life's calling. Yes. So. Um, and I, it occurred to me as you were talking there, and we were speaking now about our media experiences, that in, in, the, in the things that God has called us to do, our, our being salt means we go into those media dens, we talk to those opponents. I mean, it gets to the point sometimes where you can't, where there's so, you know, you, there's a place where you, there's a point at which is hopeless. But there are so many opportunities if you have courage or just are willing to put yourself out there and be faithful and not ashamed yeah. as you are not um, and be the same person there you know I've seen a lot of in in those media hotbeds I've seen pastors go into those arenas and try to please the host or to please the audience you can't that's when you just it implodes yeah. don't you think it's yeah. worthless absolutely why did you do why go what's the point mm-hmm. so um anyway uh, which let me ask you which you've written so many books the, the bio i had i think is not up to date it said 30 you've written more than that i think yeah mm-hmm. oh. like how many do well, you know i think it's 34 maybe 35 something like that they, they do a lot of derivative things from my books, gift books, and so forth, so it depends if you count those. Do you like to write, or which do you like better, writing or preaching slash speaking? You know, I get to do both. I am, unlike many pastors who preach and then try to turn their sermons into books, I do it the opposite way. I write the book first, and then I preach. No kidding. That was my next question. And so I get to do both. But if I had to choose one, it would be preaching. I like delivering the truth and not just writing it down. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad God's opened the door to do both. Do you ever... It's a trick. This is a trick question. Do you ever repeat a sermon series? Sure. I have a rule. I think I got this from Chuck Swindoll. I think he, his rule is every no more than ten years difference. You know, after a ten year lapse of time. But um, you know, I have to repeat some because some of the messages we're on seven days a week on television. That's three hundred and sixty-five a year. <laughs> So uh, we have to use everything we have. And some of the messages, you were in the old sanctuary of our church, yeah. First Baptist Dallas. They were recorded on antiquated equipment <laughs> in an antiquated auditorium. So those things that we did 13, 14 years ago, we're having to redo for television for the broader audience. Well, if you're like... Uh, you're and probably, most people have forgotten it. I've forgotten well, I it. I'm the preacher and I've forgotten it. I was going to say... And of course I'll, you updated uh, and freshened it up. Well, I was going to say, I would have forgotten in 10 years, yeah. but because I look back on things I've done, I don't remember saying that yeah, or doing I, that. Yeah. It's, 
Um, you just wrote a new book. It's called What Every Christian Should Know, Ten Core Beliefs of Standing Strong in a Shifting World. And you talk about ten, like I will say, non-negotiable right. uh, elements of doctrine. Um, How important is it to understand, first of all, that some things are non-negotiable, others are? Well, I think it's important to understand both things. Not everything's a hill worth dying on. Not everything we have perfect answers for. But this book is basically a revised edition of basic Christianity that John Stott did. But this is looking at the ten core beliefs of historic Christianity. And, you know, every poll that comes out, you've seen them, shows that fewer and fewer Christians are embracing the most basic beliefs of Christianity about the Holy Spirit, about salvation, about uh, the church, about Jesus the Son. So every chapter has the title, What Every Christian Should Know About the Bible, About Jesus, About the End Times. And it's a great book that's being used right now for curriculum in Sunday school classes. There's a companion study guide that goes with oh, it. So it's great. a back-to-the-basics book. You know, I, that's one thing uh, of the many <laughs> that really distresses me about uh, church, church, the church world. Because, you know, probably true of you too, when I grew up, uh, I, I don't mean like in the old days we did it right. I'm talking about spiritually. My mother came to Christ late. My dad did too. The Bible was serious business. Yeah. And in our church, it was serious business. You know, we had sword drills and that wasn't just a game. It was so you could learn scripture and how to find it. You memorized scripture. You were in Girls Auxiliary. You did Bible studies. As a church, we would do church-wide Bible studies like two a week in January. Yeah, January uh, Bible studies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Wednesday night prayer. I mean, this Sunday school training, you know, we were there all the time. Yeah. But And people say that as a prerog uh, derogatory. Yeah. Uh, it was not a derogatory. It was, it made God's word part of me. I mean, I came to Christ when I was nine, but I'm just saying the word, it's, but it's based on God's word. It's what went deep and has lasted. But I think our kids are getting so little, even youth groups. Now, I'm sure there are exceptions. I'm sure your church is an exception. I hope your church is an exception. Um, but I feel like this it's real thin girl right now. What well, it is, and parents are interested in their child's academic development. They want to be sure they get on a sports team and can get a scholarship. And spiritual growth is a very low on the priority list for too many parents, even Christian parents. They allow their kids to be out on Sunday morning playing games and uh, competing in tournaments. And, oh, pastor would like to be there, but our child has to get a scholarship. And uh, there's a price to be paid for that. Yes, and you know how the, the later manifestation of that is when they don't care where they go to college, if it's a prestigious school, they're thrilled that they got in yeah. on academic standards, even though that school, more often, well, I don't know what the stats are, but I think they're pretty darn high, that those kids just get twisted, they lose their faith, yeah. and they turn against their parents, but hey, they went to Harvard or Yale yeah. or whatever. It's the values. All of I, which those prestigious schools were started as Christian schools. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. We, people don't even know that. No. Uh, so, well, all right. So uh, one of the things that you list as your 10 core beliefs has to do with, I think, you, I forgot what you have. Oh, future things. You call yeah, it future. Yeah, the end times yeah. or future things. Yeah. So my question to you is, of course, I, we're talking to Christians for the most part. Well, 
there's probably a lot of podcast listeners that aren't, but when it, we talk about future things, I think of the second coming of Jesus, right. the rapture that you spoke a little bit tonight when Jesus takes, comes and calls his people and the Holy Spirit leaves and the earth just, uh, that's when the tribulation starts. That's the theory, that's the pre-trib view. That's what we label it. I mean, there's so many parts of it. There's the thousand-year reign. So my question is, what part of that is doctrinal? Since it's so a kind of uncertain, we know but we don't know. How, what part is like doctrine and what part is negotiable? Well, the one thing that's non-negotiable is Jesus Christ is coming back again. <laughs> and that's the theme of the whole Bible. Uh, there are uh, 1,800 references to the second coming of Christ in the Old Testament. There are more references to the second coming than the first coming of Christ. So I think that's the non-negotiable. Now, I think the Bible is clear about a rapture of the church, a tribulation. I think the Bible is clear that there's a time when God is going to fulfill his unconditional covenant with Abraham and his believing descendants. That's what the millennium is when believing Israel, not national Israel. You don't get to heaven by being a Jew. A Jew doesn't make you uh, go into heaven any more than being a Baptist makes you go into heaven. Nobody goes to heaven in a group. We go one by one based on our relationship with Christ. But God did make a promise to believing Israel that the land he outlined to Abraham in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 will one day belong to them. They've never yet occupied all that land that God promised them, but they will one day. So, you know, to me, those things are clear, but I don't think they determine whether you go to heaven or hell or whether you're orthodox or unorthodox. I had a really interesting, my husband and I were in line at Chipotle a couple of days ago, (laughs) (laughs) and this really big guy was next to Bruce, and they started talking. Now, we live in Florida now. We moved down to Florida, so we, we fled to Florida from D.C., uh, so the guy behind Bruce, they started talking, and Bruce is from Chicago. Uh, and they both went to the same high school at uh, two years apart. And it was just remarkable, just happened to be next to this guy. This is, in, again, Chicago. So he starts talking, and one thing leads to another. He ends up having lunch with us with his friend. Turns out he's Jewish. His friend says he's a Christian. The guy from Chicago I know is a Christian based on the things that he said, but we got into a doctrinal discussion that I never saw coming. I went out to Chipotle to relax because <laughs> we had quite a hectic moment, but God had different plans. And we got into the most intense discussion. And the thing that I would say about both of these guys is that they didn't have any doctrinal foundation. They thought they knew, I think this, it says this. You know what I'm saying? It's my idea, this is God to me. And I had to say, no, not not what you. What does it say in the word? You tell me from the word where you see yeah. that. But um, the point to me was that they were floundering. They didn't have a solid foundation. One is a believer. I'm sure he is. But he's a confused believer because he's never been well taught. Well, that's why the subtitle of my book, Whatever Christian Should Know, is 10 Basic Beliefs to Stand Strong in a Shifting World. Mm. If you don't have the foundation of God's Word, then it's just opinion. Opinions change. They vary. God's Word never changes. You mentioned Dr. Uh, Erwin Lutzer tonight. You know, he, I don't know if you know that he's a very good friend. And that reminded me of... Uh, what he used to he had preached a whole sermon on or I don't know if it was a series or a sermon about how the Jesus that you make up the your own he said it beautifully eloquently but he's talking about Jesus is not it's just because you think he's this that and the other doesn't mean that this is who he is 
and he sort of clarified who Jesus really is. It was it was a great message. In my book, Not All Roads Lead to Heaven, uh, I quote something David Jeremiah told one time. He said one time a lady came up to him after service, just irate, and said, Dr. Jeremiah, I just want you to know uh, that my God would never send somebody to hell oh, yeah, for not they... trusting his son. And he said, you're right, your God wouldn't do that because your God is the God of your imagination. It's not the real God. That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's a great illustration of that. And it really is, we are doing, yeah. doing that. Well, I believe, well, it's my belief, I think, you know. God, is, you God is the sum of our speculations about him, we think. Yes, yeah. I think. I want to get relevant to, to right now with you. This is a podcast, so it's a little timeless. But not long before we recorded this podcast, there was this terrible shooting in a Christian school in Nashville, and of three little nine-year-olds killed and three adults uh, by a trans. Uh, I don't know if she was fully transgendered. She, she was, It was a girl who wanted to be a boy. I guess it's very hard to kind of decipher all of that. I'm sure I have the pronouns wrong. But anyway, uh, it went into the school and did this heinous thing. Um, well, first of all, I just your thoughts on that in general, um, about what that was all about. It was a Christian school, and this girl uh, is determined to murder. Well, yeah. what, what's that all and about? And as we're recording this, the motivation uh, isn't known completely yet. They're getting ready to release the manifesto. I think that will probably shed more light on it. But I do think, Sandy, this is an example, a manifestation of evil. Evil is real. And uh, I said recently, you know, this is the age-old war between good and evil, which is really the war between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And you and I live in the crossfire of that war every day. And sometimes it seems like evil is winning. It did that Monday when the shooting took place. But these families are Christian families. They know this isn't the last chapter. There's another chapter yet to be revealed. One day, evil will be vanquished by the Lord Jesus Christ, and this world will finally be what he intended it to be. But until that time, the only hope those families have, and it's the best hope, is they're going to see their loved ones again. That's what the resurrection is all about. You know, the pastor whose daughter, nine-year-old daughter was killed made that statement, a very short statement. To help, I say basically how, how heartbroken they were. She was a light to their lives, so sweet, but he knew that he would see her again in the yes. resurrection. But how, what else do you say to people? What, else, <sighs> what other hope is there to give anybody except you know, that? There was a, a story, I, I don't know if you saw this one, because there's, there's so much reported, you know, um, that the children were in a chapel just before this happened, and a missionary was speaking to them, and they were learning about being a missionary, and then they learned all the verses of Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. They were being taught all the verses uh-huh. of Amazing Grace just before the shooting happened. And so I just, I know that some that can be terrible, but it also can be somehow... Uh, that, like my little girl that ran out in the hallway and tried to pull, you know, pull the alarm down. One of the nine-year-old girls. Courage, you know, even at nine. I re- these little kids are old enough to know Jesus, mm. you know. And um, it's unthinkable. It is unthinkable. And you know, I don't. I'm the transgender community is now uh, urging violence on TikTok and Twitter. I mean, yeah. you should see these 
videos if you haven't. There, uh, this is future for this taping, but this is one instance. They're calling for like a day of violence on April the first uh, to ki- to kill, go out and kill people that are against. It's it's that bold, and it's that I'm not overstating this. Uh, we need to get, take your guns, get out there, you know, kill everyone. Don't apologize to, to, for anyone that does not accept you or makes you feel bad. Uh, that's what they're saying. Yeah. So isn't that interesting, Dr. Jeffers, because we've been dealing with the homosexual, radical homosexual community for a number of years, and that's been a topic which I spent a lot of time on, and I'm sure you have too. But the transgender community is, like, taking it a step further. I don't remember ever... Uh, except for maybe small groups of um, um, homosexuals who murdered, like the guy who went to the FRC. But to really openly declare, like they wanted to murder people that well, opposed... Uh, that's just the rebellion against God. I mean, look, I think transgender people ought to be treated compassionately, but they need to be treated. And we need to say what it is. It's an emotional disorder at the very least. And it was treated that way up until just a few years ago when it became politically incorrect to say gender dysphoria was an emotional uh, issue. But uh, we can't hesitate to say uh, it's a message of love to tell somebody who's uh, confused about their gender that God has designed every part of you, Psalm 139 says, including your chromosomes. It's a part of God's plan for your life, and to try to change that plan is to miss out on God's best. I think I heard uh, uh, Dr. Nicolosi, I think his name is, who's an expert, you know, on marriage. Mm -hmm. And I heard him speak a long time, several years ago, uh, when he was laying out this whole battle over gender and male and female is really, this is a strike at God and creation. This is like really going deeper. Life is also, of course, taking of life, but then this is really uh, an attack against the very foundation of our creation and God's design, which is male and female. He was talking about how this really is supernatural in a wicked way. I think he's right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any, any, uh, in in Dallas, you have a lot of uh, gay activism. Uh, I'm assuming you have transgender activism too. You know, there's not, I haven't seen that much of it, honestly. Uh, We've dealt with a couple of instances of it at the church, but just a few. Um, there just statistically aren't that many people out there that are struggling with this. And just notice how quickly it flared up, came out of nowhere. Well, yes, and the number of kids that are going, you know, claiming this now has just exploded because they've been propagandized in public schools. Yeah, it's terrible. But all right, that's just one thing we're dealing with in the culture. I think you did a, you said, preached a message a few years ago that I heard you say, I'll never forget this, and you talked about that building in Dallas, that they, it was a big building, they were going to explode it, and you went to watch, they invited you to come, and uh, you, they had a countdown, uh, and when the countdown... Oh, yeah, that was our church. Oh, that was your church? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the big building, yeah. huh? I hope okay, It was right. actually five blocks of downtown Dallas that we imploded to build our new campus. We just celebrated our 10th year on our new campus. But we had to take down uh, five buildings on five city blocks of downtown Dallas. So one Saturday in October of 2010, 
they closed downtown Dallas for the implosion of the First Baptist Church. And uh, they carried it live on Fox and Friends and CNN, and it was a giant countdown. But my point in telling the story was, you know, they explained to me what they were going to do. They were going to attach 200 pounds of dynamite to key structural supports within the church. They would then explode the dynamite. There'd be a pause, and then the building would collapse under its own weight. And so we did this big countdown. I pressed the button. The dynamite exploded, and then nothing happened. And I was terrified. I said, you know, this is on live national TV. This is embarrassing. You had her Geraldo moment. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd forgotten they said there was going to be a pause. And in about 10 seconds, the ground began to shake. And those buildings were collapsed in 30 seconds, nothing but a pile of dust. And I used that as an analogy to America. I said, over the last 60 years, we've had three explosive decisions by the Supreme Court that so weakened the moral infrastructure of our country, that our collapse is inevitable. We're living in that time after the explosion, but before the implosion. And I believe America's implosion will come suddenly. I think, you know, that you said that a few years ago, maybe five, I don't know. And I see when we've, we're already, we have made, we've gone so far down since then. It's amazing. But uh, Dr. Jeffers, I really do appreciate your time. Maybe we should just say in closing, uh, how can you, how should people, like the book, How Then Shall We Live, what, what should we do? What should we be doing right now? Yeah, go back to the basics. Matthew 5, be that salt. Push back against evil wherever God places you, in a school, in a place of work, in a community. Push back against evil. But at the same time, share the hope, the only hope we have through faith in Jesus Christ with as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. Thank you, Dr. Jeffress. Again, Pathway to Victory. You can see him on, you can hear him on radio and see him on television. His latest book is What Every Christian Should Know, Ten Core Beliefs of Standing Strong in a Shifting World. Dr. Jeffress, thank you so much. Always great to be with you, Sandy. Thank you. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Well, I hope you enjoyed that visit with Dr. Robert Jeffress as much as I did. Uh, Dr. Jeffers has become a, you know, a friend through the years, and uh, you just go to respect and love someone. And I think every time I hear him speak, it's never wasted. He doesn't waste words. Uh, he always speaks with passion and power. How fortunate the people of First Baptist in Dallas are, are to have a pastor like that. Uh, well, I, Bruce is going to talk. Uh, join me in just a second because we have a lot of things to tell you about uh, Sylacauga, Alabama, and the AFA Donor Retreat. It was just wonderful, and there are some things I think that you will enjoy hearing about. So, uh, don't go away. We're going to talk about that, and also, uh, I want to thank Preborn. They have been a wonderful sponsor for this show. What a great way to start! Uh, we started in January, and they started with us right away. And I'm so grateful. And through them and through you, we have saved so many babies' lives. And we've done that by uh, providing ultrasounds for women who find themselves in troubled pregnancies. Did you know that abortion is the leading cause of death among infants in the U.S. and in the world? Sadly, with the abortion pill accounting for over 50% of all abortions, babies' lives are even now at greater risk. So uh, what? that's the reason we're helping. We're just kind of, we got to turn up the burner, ladies and gentlemen. And just as the abortionists are turning up the burner, we're going to try to save uh, more lives than they can kill. I mean, I'm just want to say that. And so 
Together, you and Sandy Reels 24-7, we are partnering now to save 500 babies' lives. If you'd like to do that, take your phone, pick up your phone, dial pound 250, and just say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, the keyword baby. Or you can go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and make your most generous gift. And by the way, we do love your phone calls. You can leave us a message or make a comment at 662-821-2040. And with that, uh, Bruce, speaking of that, um, thanks for joining me, darling. Glad to be here. People are making me self-conscious because they say they like sweetheart. Now I have trouble <laughs> saying sweet. I've always called you sweetheart. <laughs> we should trace that back. That goes back to our dating days. Because I had been married for a long time, then single for a very long time when I started dating Bruce. And I was not about to say, he's my boyfriend. I mean, really? Are you kidding? Yeah, we were a little bit old to be boyfriend boyfriend and girlfriend. He was my boyfriend, if anybody's seen. What's that? (laughs) Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. (laughs) Uh, So it just seemed a lot more sensical because he was and is my sweetheart. Well, uh, Bruce, that uh, phone call from Lori at the top of this show reminded me of all the incredible people we met this week in Sylacauga, Alabama, at the American Family Association Donor Retreat. Didn't you think of some of the people that we met Uh, hearing her talk? The the people that were there are are amazing. Every time I go, you know, uh, supposedly the speakers and the hosts are to encourage and to uh, refresh the attendees. But I find almost the exact opposite happens even to a greater degree is when you go there and you talk to these people that have spent their hard-earned money to come to a retreat, they feed us. They encourage us. They recharge us. It makes you realize why we're doing this. Yes. And it was an interesting mix of people. Now these, for those of you listening, are the the people that are able to give the most to AFA. They're the, the, the major donors, but uh, they're all over the map. There were a couple of doctors there. There are just plain people. There's business people. Uh, but they're, they're salt of the earth. I don't know what else to say, Bruce. They are just uh, people who are serious about their commitment to Christ and people who yeah. are serious enough to make their money go where their where their faith and, and beliefs are yeah there's a there's such a depth there when you talk to people um, and like you say it doesn't matter what their profession is or was there are a lot of retired people um, they are very serious about what's going on in the world what's going on spiritually and how can they help I think that's sort of the overriding uh, agenda for people is how can we get involved and how can we help yes uh, and we learned a lot. I, I uh, During the Q&A after I spoke uh, Saturday night, um, a doctor challenged me in a really good way. And uh, I had made a statement about uh, the, the harm that was done through COVID and how doctors were complicit in hospitals and all of this. And she spoke up and said, well, I'm a doctor. And I just want you to know that not every doctor you know, entered into that. Also, I want you to understand that it was so frightening. They threatened us. We were afraid we were going to lose our jobs, our livelihood. Um, And uh, we entered into a very powerful discussion because, of course, my response to her is what's true is that we are all, we are all 
going to come to that place where tremendous sacrifice is required. We know that's coming. Uh, and it's going to be, I pray for that, the ability to hold everything loosely for Bruce and I. I pray for that all the time, that we know that what we have and our positions and everything are just temporary. And they cannot mean more. They cannot mean more than truth. So, but everyone has to come to a point you cannot dictate. People have to, it's, the, it's a, between them and God what they choose to do and how they choose to act and when they choose to do it. But we had a really interesting interaction about that. Who, who stands out to you, honey, that we met and talked to? Well, you know, there's, uh, there's two sisters from Mississippi, Miss Amy and her sister, that we've met a couple of years. And one of their daughters is in high school, and she was in a production at the same time that we were at the uh, event at Purcell Farms. And she was driving, they were driving back and forth three hours each way to attend the daughter's um, production, which we should talk about actually what it is, and then would come back to Purcell Farms. Now you talk about dedicated, and you also have to remember that there were many people whose hearts and minds were very heavy because simultaneous with the uh, event, were a lot of tornadoes that were hitting the areas where a lot of the people were from, whether it be Little Rock, Arkansas, the Tupelo area, other, other regions in, in Mississippi. A lot of those people were being impacted by that storm, and yet they stayed at the retreat, yeah. and they were, a, they were a blessing to us. Yes, absolutely. Some of them had their homes damaged. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so, I mean, these are the kinds of people. And this is what uh, I, I just think. Uh, this is an editorial remark. I felt this way when I was president of Concerned Women for America because we had people that were these same kinds of people. I think that when you're a leader of an organization or you are part of an organization, you must keep in mind that what you do and what you have is a result of the unselfish giving of people like these people so that it's not yours to enrich yourself, it's not yours to build a kingdom, it's yours to build God's kingdom, but not your own personal fiefdom. I just think it gives you a tremendous responsibility to be wise in how you steward those resources. And AFA is wise about that stuff. So, And may I say, um, it, it's always good when we go there, we get to re, reconnect with the Wildman family, and they are a w wonderful family. But what's encouraging to me is, you know, you, you always wonder, like, where where are organizations heading? Are they going in a good direction or in a bad direction? And over the last couple of years, what I've sensed, I don't know this for sure, but what I've sensed is that Tim Wildman is starting to entrust more and more of running the organization to his sons and his daughter. And to watch Wesley and Walker uh, lead, really lead this um retreat that we were at it's so encouraging these men are these young men are really squared away yeah. and they really have a spirit about them and they complement each other because they're not clones of each other huh. um and uh, it's just uh, it encourages me yeah it does me too 
and uh, they they both have big families now. They're so young. We knew them when they didn't <laughs> yeah. have children, and now they they've got arms full yeah. of children. Yeah. Uh, and Ab- Abraham Abraham Hamilton the third that many people listen to on AFA was there with his now six <laughs> yes. children, and the, so the Vitaglias. <laughs> there are all these large families there. <laughs> AFA. There must be something in the water at AFA <laughs> yeah. that uh, promotes. You think children. it's too late for us? Uh, we could, well, I'll, I'll hold my tongue. <laughs> all right, all right, sweetheart. <laughs> hold your tongue. All right, well, we had a wonderful time. And for any, any of you listening who were uh, there or participate or give to AFA, we can't just tell you how much we appreciate and love you for that. Uh, you mentioned that performance, and I, I'm hoping to do a show this week on that, uh, this week. This is a timeless podcast. I have, for, have to forget. I'm trying to get this in before Easter season. But this is an incredible um, production, and I mean huge production, a big, huge stage production in a church that has multiple thousands of people. Uh, but it's it was put on by their teens, uh, performed by their teens, written by their pastor, a very graphic illustration of what's happening in high schools and middle schools around the country, an outreach to the rough things there. It's not a pretty world that our kids are living in. And so this musical is having tremendous power and effect on the people in that area of Mississippi. And I'm hoping to get the pastor on to talk about that this uh, right just before Easter of 2023. So stay tuned for that. Well, thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate you listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, I'd be sure to stay tuned for the next Sandy Rios 24-7.